How y'all doing today? Awesome. That's what I want to hear. I remember Miles Monroe told a story one day. He said he was talking to a woman, and he asked her, um, how was she doing, Charles? And she said, under the circumstances. And he said, what you doing under there? <laughs> she said, under the circumstances. What you doing under circumstances? You supposed to be over circumstances. Come on. We got to practice magnifying him. You can't make a problem bigger than him. All right. I'm starting stuff already, ain't I? You can't make your problems bigger than him. You got a, you got a, a bill. Like he said, I can supply all your needs according to my riches and glory. You looking at a $4 bill. You looking at a four, $4, $40. Where, am, where this going to come from? Come on now. Where your faith at? <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, let's get into the word for the day. I'm going to take my time. Um, we're still on the series, The Church soul battles and deliverance the church soul battles and deliverance uh this message i think i got probably one more message uh after this uh but we've been in this series talking about the church soul battles and deliverance and it is one conversation all right it is one conversation i had to teach it in this way because Because the way that men talk about the church, you know, we don't have to go to church. The church ain't the building. You're right. The church is not the building. But you ain't the church at home. So if the church ain't the building, neither is your house. So, but what is the church? The church are God's born again children who have decided now. God's born-again children who have decided that I am going to grow up in the kingdom and represent my father. Thanks, Kirby. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Love. The church is the, the born-again, the sons and daughters who have decided I will be raised in the kingdom and I will impact. I will be light. I will be salt. I will be a city set on a hill. That's who the church is. You are not a part of the church you, because you're born again. Because you said, I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, but then you walk your own walk. You talk your own talk. You live your life. The Bible said that he so loved the world that he gave his son that whosoever shall believe, say believe. Whoever shall believe in him shall not perish. Belief and faith are one and the same, but they're different. Faith is just you having confidence that the, that the invisible created the visible, that the spiritual created the natural. If you have faith in that, that's faith. You can have faith that Jesus died on the cross, but when it comes to belief, that means you walk it out. That means you rely on the word. You have confidence in the word. You don't deviate from the word. So he said, whoever believes in his son shall not perish. He didn't say whoever made a confession. Because the perishing part is if, if you don't live this life, the world would take your soul, it would take your life, it would take your destiny, and it would do what it wants to do with it. And if you wasn't his son, his daughter here, then it can't happen when you die. Ain't no conversion later. Right now is when we get to be his children. This is the dispensation of grace. This is a dispensation of grace. This is the time for you to entertain a relationship. This is the time for you to get to know him as Abba Father. 
This is the time for us to become the church, which leads to soul battles. Soul battles happen because of two things. What are they? Oh, I ain't been teaching or y'all ain't been listening. Ignorance. And what else? Say again. Disobedience. Soul battles come from ignorance or disobedience. Either you don't know or you do know and you just won't do it. And so there's a soul battle there. There's conflict. The Bible says that the ways of a transgressor are hard. The ways of a transgressor are hard. Meaning he's not, he's not, the Bible says that, that he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. The ways of a transgressor are hard. Why? Because he's resisting you. He said, do it this way, and you're going to do it another way and expect results from him. He said, no, I'll sit back. I'll watch you. I'll let you do it the way you want to do it. And life becomes hard. Then we say what? It ain't working for me. No, you're not working what he gave you to work. You're not doing it how he said do it. So soul battles come from ignorance or they come from disobedience. So you show up to church to learn so we can cover the ignorance part. We can't do nothing about the disobedience. That's on you. Which leads to deliverance. Most of the time, you, deliverance happens because we don't know and we're living a life under Satan's rule. Once we know and we live that life under Satan's rule, it become, it, it's on us now. Now, the definition of deliverance is it means to be rescued. It means to be brought to safety and preserved. Okay, that's what deliverance is. Deliverance means you have been rescued, you have been brought to safety, and now you are being preserved. I'm going to say that again. Deliverance, it, because the reason why I'm saying this is because we think deliverance is somebody laying their hands on you and you coughing up something. That's not deliverance. That's mean you're being set free. But how did that happen? And like I told you, I refuse to lead a church or a generation where we always at the altar every Sunday crying, looking for deliverance. When we have the word, the power, the Holy Spirit, we can cry, Abba, Father. We have access by one spirit. He told us what to seek first. <laughs> he told us what to seek first. If you seek anything else first, you're going to need deliverance. He told you what to seek first. He said, seek first what? And it's righteousness. And everything else will be what? It's going to be added. to. It's going to come to you. But there needs to be trust. You got to trust that word. So the title of our teaching on today is. All right. Deliverance by the engrafted word. The title of our teaching on today is Deliverance by the Engrafted Word. Sometimes I don't get to see the, uh, what Dr. Hardy did until y'all see it. So I like to look and see the um, title sheet that she put up there. So Deliverance by the Engrafted Word. And we're going to come from John chapter 15, verse 1. I'm going to pray first, Father, in the name of Jesus, help us to be everything that you have predestined us to be. Help us to be everything that you have purposed us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. So it reads, John chapter 15, verse 1 says, 
I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Verse 2 says, every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. Now, Jesus is speaking here. And in verse 1, he starts this conversation off talking to his disciples. He says, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. So he says he's the true vine. Now, if he's the true vine, that means what? There's some vines that are not true. He said that we are the branches, but he let us know that my father is the husbandman. He's the gardener. He's the Lord of the vine. He's the Lord of the harvest. He's the voice behind all of this. He's, this is his plan. Say this is his plan. You ought to learn how to say that to yourself often. When situations and circumstances are going on, you have to say, this is your plan. You have to learn, Father, this is your plan. I did not ask to be here. Come on. I told you, we are under a parental covenant. God is our father. We didn't ask to be his children. He wanted this. So sometimes you have to talk to him. Father, this is your plan. Show me. Jesus knew it. He said, my father is the gardener. So it's his plan. So he's the one who does all the planting. He decides the soil. He decides what, the, what branches will be in, in him, in the vine. And then the true vine is his son. It's the visible connection to the father. It's the ransom. He's the example for the branches. So he lets us know his role then he lets us know the father's role. Then he lets us know our role. Our role is what? Branches. We're branches. Now, he says, every branch in me that does not pr produce fruit, he removes. He removes. Then he says, and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. So whether you are not producing fruit or whether you are producing fruit, there will be suffering. If you are not producing fruit, he'll remove you. If you are producing fruit, he's going to prune you. And sometimes we don't know the difference. But the difference is, are you representing the church? The difference is, are you being obedient to him? Now, to prune means, it means to cut back. It means that he takes things away so that we can grow. Sometimes it's people. Sometimes it's a job. Sometimes a job is in the way of a business. And so you'll continually look for jobs and you can't find one. Because what that job can offer you, you're worth more than that. They're trying to pay you $15. Come on, you're worth more than that. So he'll make it to where you cannot find the job because he has a business. And, he, and watch this. You got to remember, the father is investing in you so you can invest in the kingdom. 
Everything that he gives you is for him. It's for everything that he does, he does for his name's sake. That's what I'm saying. There's nothing wrong with being a millionaire or wanting to be a billionaire or even a trillionaire. But the thing about it is, do you want to do it for his name's sake? So he prunes you. He challenges you. He challenges you for growth. He makes sure that you're imitating him. He makes sure that you are conforming to him in a way that you can produce more fruit. The Bible lets us know that he only disciplines us because he what? Wants us to share in his holiness. He only disciplines us because in the end he wants us to do what? Yield righteous fruit. Why does he do that? Because he knows that the kingdom of God, the spirit realm, it only responds to the character of Christ. So that's why he's telling us. Jesus letting us know, I'm the vine, you're the branches. It's not the other way around. <laughs> We're not the vine and, and he's the branch. We're the branches. And so he said, if any branch in me does not produce fruit, he says that he removes it. Now, I have to explain to you how he removes branches. In Romans chapter 11, it said that he broke off the branches, which were the Jews. He broke these branches off. He broke these branches off so that we could be grafted in. He broke the branches off, which were the Jews, because as he, although he was cultivating them, they were not obedient. So he broke off the branches, which were the Jews, so that we could be what? Grafted in. So because we need to be grafted in, there's a process that needs to be done to the branch, and then there's a process that needs to be done to the vine. This process is called grafting. Now, there's two techniques to grafting. One is called a splice, and that is when you take the branch and you take the vine where it was broken off at. So where the juice was broken off at is called the rootstock. And that rootstock now has to be used to graft in another branch. So what he does is he cuts the rootstock in a diagonal cut. Then he cuts the branch in a diagonal cut. Or they have one called whipping tongue, which they, all he simply does is he carves an end into one branch, then he carves another so that they can fit like a puzzle. I'm going somewhere. So the work has to be done on the vine, say the vine. Then the work has to be done on the branch. That's why it says that by his stripes we were healed. I know we think that that's just us laying hands or that we can just say a thing and then we're automatically healed. This ain't got nothing to do with prayer. This don't have nothing to do with somebody laying hands on you. You're healed because of the connection. You're healed because you're connected to him. Us as believers, we shouldn't need people to heal us. If you are a child of God, you don't need someone to lay hands on you to heal you. What do they have that you don't? Oh, I'm sorry. Faith. <laughs> Faith. So that's why he says, by his stripes, we were healed. So he had to do some cutting on him. That's why uh, uh, when you look at Eve, Eve came from Adam's side. 
Where did the church come from? Jesus' side. That's why they poked a hole in his side and water and blood came out. It was preparation for you to come in. Holes in his hands and in his feet. That was a preparation for what? For you to come in. He was preparing the vine for the grafting. The crown of thorns. In his head, it was a preparation for you to get in. The 40 slashes on his back. That was a, the, every scar was a preparation so that you could get in. Every insult was a preparation to get you in, even to the place where the father loaded every sin on him and left him on the cross to die. That was for you so that you could get in. That's why I refused. I, don't, I won't even call it a gospel for us to teach that Jesus Christ died on the cross so that we can have a seat in heaven. That's not good news. It's not good news that a man got beat so bad so you can come, just so you can go to heaven. No, that beating was so you can get grafted in the vine and you can be a son and daughter right here on earth. So, there has to be a splice or a whipping tongue to connect the branch to the vine. One way they do it is they take this elastic, once the branch and the vine is connected, they take this elastic rubber band and they wrap it around it. Okay? Then they put grafting glue on it. Or, now they use a thing called buddy tape in which after it is spliced and it is cut and they place it together, they wrap it around there. Now, while they're wrapping it around there, they're sealing it to the day of redemption. They're sealing it. And while that thing is sealed, what is being happened is mending, is growing. This is why we need the Holy Spirit. That's why I told you the Bible doesn't say... We don't just, he, he didn't just give us the Holy Spirit. He don't want us to just have the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that we need to be baptized in it. You don't need to just get the Holy Spirit. You need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You need to be immersed in the Holy Spirit. The example I often give you is a cucumber uh, being converted to a pickle. It has to be placed in that brine. It has to be placed in that liquid. Then what happened? It's sealed. And the purpose of it being in there is so that every, the, the, the liquid, the brine that is in there has to get into the cucumber. And once it is converted, it is now a pickle. And you can't convert that back to a cucumber. The other example I'll give you is that if you were enrolling in school, this is what it looks like to be baptized in the spirit. If you're enrolling in school, you enroll in college. And once you are in college, what happens? You got all of the, the professors. You got the presidents. You got all of the classrooms that are now available for you to learn. But if you don't go to class, you can absorb nothing. And when you come in there, you're full of the information. The whole purpose is for you to graduate. So if you go in to become a doctor, you go to every class, you learn, and then you absorb the information so that when you're in the hospital and you're performing surgery, everything that was in the school is now in you. That's why the Holy Spirit is, is considered a helper. 
So that's why when we taught on the series called Sealed, this, the Holy Spirit seals you to the day of redemption. And how does it seal us? It seals us in the form of an incubator. It comforts us while we grow. It keeps us at a, at a temperature. It keeps us learning until we grow. It seals us as a signet ring. Just like when they put the ring on Joseph's finger. The ring on Joseph's finger means that he was second in charge. When the prodigal son returned home, what did he tell him? He said, give him a robe and give him a ring. Why? I need to return him to his position next to me as my child. So the signet ring speaks to the fact that we are seated in heavenly places with Christ. That means we are sealed. Uh. Then you have the anointing oil. The anointing is poured on you to seal you for the assignment. Then you have the armor of God. It seals you for what? The battle. Then you have the ephod. The ephod seals the priest. The mantle seals the prophet. The robe seals the king. Well, in the same way, this buddy tape or this elastic wrap, it seals the branch. It seals the branch to the vine. So with the Jews, they were broken off because of disobedience. With us, we have to stay baptized. If we don't stay baptized, the seal unravels. That's why we have to stay in his presence. That's why we have to pray in tongues to build up our most holy faith because what we're trying to do is, is, is get attached to the vine. You're not all the way there yet. When you get saved, your spirit, the Bible says he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. So when you get saved, when you are born again, I'm, I need to stop using that term saved when you get saved. Okay, because saved just means you're rescued. When you are born again, your spirit becomes one with Christ. Okay? Now, the job of the Holy Spirit is to marry your soul to your spirit. That's why he says we need the mind of Christ. We have the spirit. We're one with him already. We just don't think like him. We just don't act like him. Come on now. We just don't react like him. We just don't respond like him. We're just not as diligent as he was. So the Bible tells us that what? We need the mind of Christ. And that's the job of the Holy Spirit. What does the Holy Spirit do? It reminds you. What is it reminding? Your spirit or your soul? Your soul. Your mind. Your, your heart. It says the Holy Spirit teaches. What is it teaching? Your spirit or your soul? Where's the learning at? It said it guides you. It says it helps you. It counsels you. It comforts you. What is it counseling and comforting? Your soul. Once you are born again, all of the development is in your mind, it's in your soul, and it's now in your heart. That's why you need to practice righteousness. I'm not telling y'all to come to church because I want to see you, even though I love y'all. Y'all beautiful. You need to conform to the image. You need to be his child. And what happens in the church world is that we just accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and then we go home and read our Bible, which is incorrect theology. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing. Come on. And hearing by the word of God. 
But how can you hear unless somebody is sent? That's why he established the apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher, and pastor. And because he established that, he's not going to bypass that just to teach you. He's not going to bypass the studying of his apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher, and pastor and say, well, you just stay home and I'm going to teach you myself. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. But we live in a generation of people. How many of y'all want power? All y'all raise your hand. Y'all know y'all all want power. You don't want no power? I'll, I'll. How many, how, how many y'all want Holy Spirit power? Now, the question is, why? Say it again. Okay, deliverance, that's one. Can I get another one? To do the work, that's two. Can I get another one? Say it again. Peace, that's a good one. That's three. Somebody said, cast out devils, right? That, come on, y'all know what y'all want. Y'all trying to hold it back because y'all don't want me to. Come on, I got your number. I already know. <laughs> I know why you want it. You want to you do what Jesus did. You want to open the eyes of the blind. Come on, you want somebody to touch your shirt. You want to pray over some napkins and send them an anointing. As soon as they open the package, they just fall out. That's why you want the power. That's why you want the power. But the power, he said, when you receive the spirit, he said, it's going to make you a witness. A witness. That's your life. But then the Greek word for witness is martyr. Mm. Now, why do you want power? Say, so I can be a martyr. Uh. <laughs> Somebody, y'all ain't want to say that. That's why you need power. You need power so you can die for this thing. You need power so you can have strength to carry out the assignment. Everything else was a part of it. He might use you to open the eyes of the blind. He might not. He might use your home instead of, come on now. All right, y'all say move on. He can use what he wants to. He can use you how he wants to. We pick what we want to do. We want to heal somebody. He, what if he didn't tell you to heal? And then watch this. We want to heal people by touching people, just laying our hands on people, but we don't want to heal them by just loving them. All right, let me go to the next point. That's the best way to heal somebody. Just love them. Speak the word to them. Let's continue on. James chapter 1, verse 21. We're going to come back to the John. We've got to get to this part first. It says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. Now, the whole purpose of us being connected to the vine is so that we can do what? Receive. Say receive. And so we can receive the engrafted word. Now, what are we talking about today? Deliverance by the engrafted word. The engrafted word is the inborn word. It's the, born, the word that you can only get when you're connected to Christ. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says to you, I speak the mysteries of the kingdom. But to them, I speak in parables. 
so that hearing they won't hear and seeing they won't see so they won't be converted. He made sure if you're going to get this revelation, this understanding, you're going to have to be close. Not only are you going to have to be close, you're going to have to be in me. So James said that the engrafted word, now watch this, Jesus didn't talk about the engrafted word. Paul didn't talk about the engrafted word. This is James, Jesus' brother. He said the engrafted word is able to do what? Save your soul. So the engrafted word is the inborn word. It's the word that flows from the soil to the root to, into the vine. It's the word that is in Jesus because of, the, of his nature. It's the word that is in him because he received instructions from the Father. So we have to be connected to him. We can't be partially connected. We have to be all the way connected to him. So the engrafting process is so it takes time. They don't do the cutting and then do the, uh, 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 the gluing and then the next day it's connected. No, it takes time. Say it takes time. So, but the hindrance, well, let me say this. He said, so, but it is the meekness, it is meekness, say meekness. It is meekness that helps us to receive that word. You can only receive that word in meekness, in humility. A lot of times we can't hear is because we, don't, are, we are not meek. We don't want it at any cost. We have barriers and we have borders and we have things in which we are not going to let him in. I say this often. When the father calls us into his family, he doesn't call us into his family so that we can give him half of our life, part of our life. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you my relationships, but don't touch my money. He wants the whole thing. And if he can't have the whole thing, he don't want none of it. So it says, in order for us to receive the engrafted word, it has to come through meekness. But then it says that we have to lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. Now, filthiness is obscene and offensive conversations. Not just out our mouth, but towards our ears. That's why I tell you, you have, I'm not telling you to stop listening to certain music for no reason. The more you listen to that, it becomes harder for you to get engrafted. I'm not telling you, look, turn off the news for a reason. The more you listen to the news and you listen to their opinions and they put that fear in you that everything is going to go wrong. It prevents you from what? Being connected. It is the things that you put in your ears that prevent you. It is the things that, you, that your eyes see. It is your gates that we leave open. And what do they do? They prevent the grafting process. How do I know it? It says here, it says that we have to lay apart all filthiness, bad temper, anger, wrath, aggressiveness, disgusted by everything, complaining. He said, lay that aside. Why is he telling us to lay it aside? Because that meekness prevents the word. We talked about what we talked about last week. Strongholds. It's the same thing. Strongholds do what? They build walls 
in which you can hide your thought process, that protect your thought process. And you don't want to let the word in. You don't want to let the father minister to you. You can't even worship. But what do we have to do? We have to demolish the stronghold. Then we have to get ourselves engrafted in the word and we have to build a stronghold in the Lord. And that stronghold is what protects our life. We don't know. Like I told y'all, none of us grew up in heaven. That's why church is necessary. Because none of us grew up in heaven. We're learning how to become his children. We don't know. Like I told you last week, we don't know 1% about America. We don't know, you don't know 1% about your family. You don't know 1% about yourself. So when it comes to the spirit realm, how much do you really think you know? In order for us to have this life and live this life correctly, we I, when we first started this church, I should say this all the time. I need to start back saying it again. You need to take six months and you need to cancel. You need to turn off everything and just tune into heaven. You need to take six months of your life and just cut everything off. The music, the movies, the television, cut it off. Because you need to get all of that stuff out of you. In, in 2004, 2003, 2004, I decided I was tired of the world and I was going to give my life back to the Father. And this is why I can testify to y'all that, look, you do not need a thousand people praying over you, rubbing your back until you get a hole in it for you to be delivered. You don't need, you need to put the word in. Wherever the word is, everything else comes out. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. As a man thinketh, it ain't a thought. It's thinking. How do you, I ain't talking about a thought. I'm a, a pattern of thoughts. <laughs> you need a pattern of thoughts that lead to you being a son, lead to you being a daughter, leading to you understanding the kingdom. And the, and the more you think like Christ, Satan can't live there. If Satan is living there, it's because you agree. If, it, if Satan is living there, it's because you're inviting him. The other one is naughtiness. Naughtiness speaks to bad behavior, as in a child. It speaks to disobedience. These things quench the Holy Spirit. These things reject the helper. The Holy Spirit can't reside where there's anger. The Holy Spirit can't reside where there's bitterness, where there's malice, where there's deceit. Why do you think he's telling us to lose those things so that his presence can live there? Because what you have to understand about the Holy Spirit is because you are baptized and when you are immersed in the Holy Spirit, when you are immersed in the Holy Spirit, you hear from eternity. It's not just a spirit or a presence. The Holy Spirit helps us to hear from heaven. When we're outside of the, the presence of the Spirit, we only hear in time and space. 
So how do I, how do you know if you're hearing the spirit or not? Is your mind ruled by what everybody else think? Or is your mind being ruled and governed by what the father says? Now, which one did Jesus do? He constantly let us know, I only do what the father, why is he, is that not the mind of Christ? He's letting us know this is the mind of Christ. I only do what the father tells me to do. He said the son can only do what he sees the father do. He's not talking about as he was growing up in heaven. He's talking about he has a visible connection right here on earth and he sees what the father's doing. Why? Because the vine is connected to the root, which is the father. And so what we want is we want Abba. Amen. And because we want Abba, we got to get connected to the vine because the whole purpose of the vine is so that what is in the root and in the soil can get to the branches. That's why the Bible constantly tells us that Jesus is the mediator between man and God. The vine is in between the branch and the root. The Bible tells us that he's a ransom. He came to die for what? So that we could have that relationship. Jesus, I hate that I'm going to say this, and, and I ain't trying to fight. We're no religious folks. Jesus did not come so we could have a relationship with him. He did not come so we could have a relationship with him. He said, pray to the Father. He said, worship the Father. Every conversation that he had, it was to get us to the Father. He did not say, hey, look, I, when I leave, I want y'all to talk to me. He said, pray to the Father. The disciples came and asked him, how do we pray? Our Father, which art in heaven. He didn't say, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who art in heaven. That's not, the, he said, how do we worship? We worship what? The Father. That's a, com that's a covenant through a relationship. It ain't me saying, telling, uh, uh, going into the worship place and just telling God how great he is. I told you I did that. I had an A to Z. God, you're amazing. You're brilliant. <laughs> you're caring. I had an A to Z because I thought that's what worship was. And then I learned what worship is. Worship is me as a child and him as being my father, just sitting in front of him and just saying, Father, teach me. Father, remove this thing from me. Father, help me. The purpose of worship is what? So I can become like the thing I worship. Father, impart your ways. Abba, perfect me. This is what worship is. Worship is not us coming before him, just telling him how great he is. While we're weak, feeble, we don't know what we're doing, lost, confused, downtrodden, been abandoned, abused, and we're coming to him telling him how great he is, like he don't know it. Like he's narcissistic. Like he's sitting on the throne saying, y'all better tell me how great I am. If you don't, I'm not going to bless you. No, he wants to get him in you so you can think like him. So you can walk like him. So you can talk like him. You know how they say the apple don't fall far from the tree? That's, that's how it should look. The Bible said that he predestined us to conform to the image of his son. 
It ain't nothing you ain't heard before, but you got to constantly minister this thing. Because like I said, it needs to become a thought process. It needs to become the way you think. And not just a thought process. Y'all know we say it all the time. Well, he, could, he predestined me to conform to the image of Christ until you go through a situation and you quit. So he predestined us to conform to the image of his son so that his son will be the firstborn of what? Many. 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 Christianity is not us coming, coming to church just to sing to Jesus. But we have no plans of being like him. We got to lose this mentality of being the woman with the issue of blood every Sunday. Every Sunday, we the man that been 38 years in infirmity. If, if somebody would just help me to the altar. No, we come and train here so when we go out there, we can find them. Because you got to think about this. The Bible said that Peter just walked past people. They said they was healed at his shadow. They were healed by his shadow. That Jesus didn't do that. Come on, Jesus didn't do that. Paul prayed over handkerchiefs. I'm letting you know the possibility. That's why we can't put this thing in a box. We can't put it in a box. Just because Paul prayed over handkerchiefs don't mean you need to do, have prayer shawls. Okay. Allow him to use you the way he wants to use you. He told one person just by a word, he said, just speak the word. Just speak the word. You ain't got to come to my house. Just speak the word. There's so many different ways to be healed. But the main way is what? Attached to the vine. Restoration through the vine. So the engrafted word is able to do what? Save your soul. Rescue your soul. It's able to rescue your soul. That word save means to keep safe and sound. It means to rescue from danger or destruction. It means to make well. It means to heal. It means to restore to health. It means to save from the evils which obstruct the reception of the messianic deliverance. Now, the messianic deliverance comes from you being connected to the vine and receiving the engrafted word. The Bible says that we are prophet, priest, king, and warrior. That messianic deliverance comes from us being attached to the vine. This is why in verse 22, he says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself. So I have to do more than just hear the word. I have to do it. He said, if I hear the word, but I don't do it, I'm deceiving myself. Verse 23 says, because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. Now, back in the days, they didn't have mirrors. They had sheet metal or they would look in water and see their own reflection. So they could barely see their own face. 
And when you look in the mirror and you see yourself, what are we dealing with now? Identity. Why? Because your identity is found in the word. If you're a doer. If you're just a hearer, then you don't grab hold to the identity. That's why verse 24 says, for he looks at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. So he says, if you are a doer of the word, or if you're just a hearer, you look in the scriptures and it says that we are one with Christ, but as soon as you step away and you get into a situation, you forget all about the scripture. But when you attach to the vine, you're a doer. Why? Because it flows through you. You cannot do nothing different. You can only do what he says. That's why Jesus constantly said the same thing over and over again. I only do what? Connection. Connection. You can only do, watch this, what you're connected to. If you're always mad, what you're connected to. If you're always upset, if you're always rebellious, if you're always agitated, what are you connected to? We can only do according to what? What we're connected to. And our life shows what? What we're connected to. How we think shows what? What we're connected to. How we move shows what? What we're connected to. What motivates us shows what? What we're connected to. Verse 25 says, but the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works. It says this person will what? This person will be blessed. We had that conversation, didn't we? The church and the blessed life. He's already blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, but it's what? In Christ. So the blessings are determined on, on if the grafting is completed. If the grafting is not complete, then the engrafted word cannot be received. And Satan's job is to, Satan's job is to do everything he can to make sure that that graft does not take place. That's why he had you come into church and you find problems with everybody in the church. But what happened when you leave the church? You got a problem with them people too. So what now? You don't come to church because you got problems with people in the church. But then outside the church, there's no spiritual growth. Satan knows what he's doing. He made sure that he got Eve to sin before they can create a God child. He made sure because he's always, that's what I'm telling you, when the confusion comes, when the frustration comes, when things are opposing you, the moment these things happen, I'm telling you, stay put. Pray more. Soon as the discomfort and all these things start to happen, it is Satan. What is Satan trying to do? He's trying to pull you away from the blessing. 
He's trying to pull you away from what you are predestined to do, what you're called to do. And everybody who's called has to be built. And how do we get built? Staying attached to the vine. Watch this. I'm almost done. John chapter 15, verse 3. He says, you are clean because what? Come on, y'all. Come participate with me. He said, he said, you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. So the easiest way to get delivered is through what? The word. They received a word because they were with him every day, three years. Three years every day, hearing him talk, hearing him teach, watching how he handled himself. Three years. And that's what cleansed them. He didn't lay hands on none of them to clean them. He spoke. Spirit and life. Now, remember, deliverance means what? To rescue. It means to be brought to safety. Then it means to do what? Be preserved. So you're born, you're, you're, you're born again. You're brought into his household. Now you stay in his household and you only eat from his household. Verse 4 says, remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself, unless it remains on the vine. So he says what? Remain in me. Remain. Remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. That word remain means to abide, it means to continue, it means to dwell, it means to endure, it means to be present, it means to stand, it means to tarry. He said remain in him, his way, the engrafted way. He said he's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. Nobody gets to the father except what? Through him. This is the dilemma in the church. We're not staying connected long enough to get to the Father. We got Jesus, but no Father. Jesus said, I'm the door. We come to the door, and we just sit there, and we worship the door. We just get to the door. Jesus said, he the door. What do we do to doors? We open them and go through them. He's the door to the Father. The church is at the door. The church is at the door. The church is at the door. We're not, we haven't went through the door yet. We still pray to the Lord. We still, we still seeking Jesus. Jesus at the right hand of the Father. And you seated with him. He already gave the instructions. How can we say that we hear Jesus when Jesus told us to get to the Father? Oh, it's going to get ugly. It's going to get nasty. We're about to go live in, in, in June. 
But I'm going to call them out. How you hear the Lord and, and you can't give them the Father? How do we say we hear Jesus? If you hear Jesus, let me tell you, he's going to tell you what? Go, I'm getting you to the Father. If you're going to hear Jesus, he's going to tell you I'm the ransom to get you back in the relationship. I'm the propitiation. I'm the acceptable sacrifice for you to be Abba's children, Abba's child. If you hear him, if we hear the Lord, the Lord is telling us about his father. How do I know? That's all he did in the scripture. His meat and drink is to do what? The will of his father. He said he don't have a plan. Amen. I know it's foreign, but that's what religion is. Religion can't get you the relationship. It just gets you to talking about Jesus, talking about the cross. But the whole purpose of the cross was because the father wanted children. <laughs> the cross wasn't so we could have a conversation with Jesus. The, the cross was so we can get what the father, watch this, predestined for us to have. Jesus didn't predestine nothing. The father predestined. This is the father's plan. That's why he let us know, I'm the vine. I got <laughs> He letting us know, I'm the vine. I'm not the husbandman. I'm not the gardener. I'm not the one that does the grafting. It's the father that does that. I'm not touching the soil. I'm not doing any of that. I'm just the one you, be, you need to be connected to. I'm the one that gets you to him. How do you hear him? Through me. So he said what? Remain in me. Verse 5, he says again, I am the branch and you are the vine. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit. Because you can do nothing without me. So you have to be connected to me. What I say, you have to say, or heaven don't agree with you. You can only access your destiny by saying what the Father, what, 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 what Jesus is saying. Verse 6. If anyone does not remain in me, here you go. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, they throw them into the fire, and they are burned. This is, he's telling you what your life looks like if you're not attached to him, if you're not connected with him. He said, if you don't remain in me, if you don't tolerate, if you don't endure the discipline as a son, He says, you are thrown aside like a branch and you wither, you die. Then he said, they. Who is they? The world. Because if the church can't use you, the world sure can. But when they use you, they throw you into the fire because they put you under persecution and pressure in which there's no answer for. There's no solution. Ain't no salvation in the world. You, in it once, once, you can't be saved from the world after you leave the church. 
The world can't save you. He says, and they are burned, which means your whole destiny go up in flames. Verse 7, if you remain in me and my word remains in you, here we go. This is what we want, right? Come on. Now, this goes along with what James said. If you are a doer of the word, if you look into the perfect law of liberty and you become a doer of the word, he says that person will be what? Blessed. Jesus says it again. He says, if you remain in me and my word remains in you, he said, ask whatever you want and it will be done. If it's not being done, check the connection. Ask yourself, am I staying baptized? Do I have the mind of Christ to go along with the spirit of Christ? Because until my mind aligns with who I am spiritually, I'm, I'm not mature enough to receive that. And I, I tell you, we can fool everybody else. Don't fool yourself. Don't fool yourself. You know if you connected. You know your prayer life. You know your study habits. You know the bitterness, resentment. You know your pride, your arrogance. You know what's in you. You know if you fasting. And I ain't talking about the one where you eat a meal at the end of the day. <laughs> you know. You know if you're giving. If you ain't giving, why you asking? He said, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall other men give into your bosom. How dare you not give and ask? If you stay connected and you remain in him, you can expect anything you ask for. I'm a spoiled child. Anything I ask him for, I get. Anything. The only thing he won't give you is control over people. Anything I ask him for, I can get it. It's the connection. This is how it looks when the grafting is complete. Access by what? One spirit. This is what happened when you received the engrafted word. Verse 8, my last one. says, my father is glorified by this. Everything he just said from verse 1 down to verse 7, he said, this is what, my, what glorifies my father. This is what the manifested life looks like. He says that you produce much fruit and prove, uh, and prove to, me my, to be my disciple. And prove to be my disciple. You ain't in no other classrooms. You're his student. Well, how are you a student? You're attached to him.